Moving Right Along, the Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. I'm Anthony Strand. And joining us today is... Hi, I'm Joe Hennis, a co-owner of ToughPigs.com. Welcome to the show, Joe. This is uh, your first guest. I feel so honored to be your very first guest, and this is such a great idea for a podcast. I wish I had thought of it. Uh, I also wish I had thought of it, but we stole it from the Star Wars Minute, guys, so here we are. We shamelessly (laughs) stole it, and I am honored to be joined by both co-owners of ToughPigs.com today. I'm I'm the humble. Um, And, And I'm honored as well. There's just a lot of honoring going on. I'm so not, I'm much not honored, fun. but I'm flattered. <laughs> All right. And we are honored to start these minutes out with Kermit the Frog making his first appearance in the Muppet movie. We start with Kermit strolling into the chaos of the screening room and then introducing the first ever screening of the Muppet movie. The lights go dark and the movie starts playing. We see the first few credits and then we end on the title, The Muppet Movie. That's minutes three and four. Yeah, those are some some pretty magical minutes right here, uh, still toward the beginning of the movie. Well, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's like the whole sequence inside the theater, um, which I I love as a kid. Loved as a kid, I love as an adult as well. Yeah, and you still continuing from the previous minute. We have various Muppets just kind of doing their shtick. Uh, Lou is throwing Lou Zealand is throwing his boomerang fish, and then Sam asks Kermit if the film has any socially redeeming value, which that. That shot ends with a paper airplane flying into the frame and landing right in the crook of Sam's elbow. Yeah, I, I actually, when when uh, when I was watching that clip in, in preparation for this podcast, um, I rewound it several times to try to see if there was a string. Oh. That was, because I've always oh, wondered that, but I've never bothered to like actually sit there and watch it. And I, I didn't see a string. I think someone actually just threw a paper airplane and and maybe it wasn't even scripted when Kermit goes. Uh, sorry about that, Sam. Yeah, well, I, I would love to know how many takes that took. Yeah, I do. Um, I do think that Kermit apologizing for that off the cuff as he walks away is one of the most perfect Kermit moments. That's of all true. Time. Like, yeah, it's just so he has other stuff to do. He's taking care of business, but he's just uh, sorry about that, Sam. You know, and strolls away. Well, and that kind of hints at something that that I want to talk about, which is is the the pure chaos in the theater and how Kermit is just like, "Hey, what are you gonna do?" Like that—that's what the Muppets are. We're we're just chaos because we're about to go into and, and I mean, spoilers for the next episode. We're about to start with like a pretty solemn moment in the actual story, but before we get into kind of some of the melancholy of of Kermit and the Muppets, we're starting off with like like just explosions and people eating things or characters eating things and throwing fish and, you know, monsters and pigs and, and, and Kermit is in the middle of this, uh, this tornado of, of Muppet chaos. Yeah. It's really a perfect way to, uh, ease into the movie. Like here's all the wacky Muppets that you love. And and now here's their movie. Well, and I, I, I really like how it, segues from the chaos into like you mentioned the calm of the actual movie with that nice moment where he sits next to robin and robin asks him is this how the muppets really got started Kermit said sort of approximately how it happened i feel like if we just went from kermit telling everyone to settle down 
crazy hairy, you know, it causing an explosion. If we went straight into the movie, it wouldn't work quite as well. And that little moment with Robin, that little breather, is is a necessary beat. It's, yeah, it's uh, so yeah. nice. It's so perfect. Yeah, the lights yeah. go down, and there's that that one uh, one moment of calm. Right as you're actually hearing people shush, uh, or the characters shush each other. Um, and uh, well, I, I've also always wondered, you know, when Kermit says it's sort of approximately how it happens, uh, <clears throat> you know, how much of that is Jim saying? This is actually how I met all my friends that I work with because right. yeah, I mean, I think a big road trip, but like symbolically, you know, he did pick them up one by one, and they all right. made their way to Hollywood and right. signed some contract. It's how the Muppets, and he started in the swamp. Right. It's how the Muppets got started, meaning these characters, but it's also how the Muppets, the troupe of performers, got started. Right. I would like to. Uh, I'd like to uh, go back to New Zealand for a second. That very brief thing. I, I love that. First of all, Kermit walks into the theater, and the first person he sees is New Zealand, which is Zealand, the right. most <laughs> ridiculous character probably to have ever been written for the Muppet Show. That actually stuck around for more than a, you know a second, and <clears throat> he's talking to Nigel, and like totally like ghost Nigel, so he can go talk to Kermit, which is very symbolic for what happened on the Muppet Show. Ooh. Like, forget well, you, what I. <laughs> We got we got this more interesting frog over here. What I love about Nigel though is when Lou throws the fish away, Nigel turns and he's frozen in this stare, <laughs> like until we cut away from him, and it looks like Nigel is so fascinating <laughs> that Lou has a colossal nerve to throw Nigel, a fish. He loves this stuff. He loves those flying fish. Nigel is he's just happy to be there. He really right. is. Although the I. The, um, the other thing I was going to say about New Zealand is I always really liked the meta joke of him, New Zealand asking if, he throw, if there's any boomerang fish in the movie. And Kermit says, I told you, Lou, there's not, he says, not at the movie or in the screen, meaning there's no, bo no boomerang fish allowed in either of those. Things, right. Right. And of course, New Zealand just threw a boomerang fish in the movie and at the screening. Like, the right. rules. He, he got his fish into. The movie that we're watching, even though he didn't get them into the movie that Kermit made. Although, the like, isn't that show. weird that he uh, he thinks, like, Lude doesn't know how movies are made. That he's asking Kermit <laughs> if he can have something in the movie. They're about to, the movie's done, Lou. Yeah. You missed right. your chance, man. Although, well, we'll, we'll get into that later. That, that's a spoiler for a later episode. Um, I did want to talk about some of the lesser-known characters who are in the crowd scene here. Yeah, I was um, uh, happy to see that they invited Fletcher Bird to the screening. Well, <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I never noticed Fletcher Bird until this time, right. when I was look, when I was looking. How could you not I'll notice Fletcher Bird? We should, we should probably say who Fletcher Bird is. He's the large, blue and green bird standing in the back. He was one of several characters played by uh, former Royal Ballet Company dancer Graham Fletcher on The Muppet Show. Most notably, he appeared in the You Make Me Feel Like Dancing number with Leo Sayer. So for yeah, a big, large bird Fletcher with kind bird. of goofy-looking uh, eyes. Right. Isn't it weird? Bird. What a weird coincidence that Fletcher Bird was played by a guy named Fletcher. That is a, such a strange coincidence. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, although, like, yeah, they invited Fletcher Bird. Although, is he in the um, is he in the closing number at the end? He probably is. Right? I would imagine he is. I don't know yeah. for sure. Um. 
We'll find out in about, you know, 50 weeks. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, 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 other relatively obscure Muppets who appear in that sequence are uh, in the right-hand back corner, we have Mean Mama, which is that brown, slightly wolfish monster. Um, Baskerville the Hound is in the front row, one of my mm. favorite lesser-known Muppets. Love it. Um, who Baskerville was built for a series of Prina Dog Chow commercials in the early 60s, where he appeared with Rolf, right. and went on to appear on the Muppet Show many times, singing May You Always with Rolf and all, all the other dogs and Cat Gut, and singing Oh Lonesome Me with Loretta Lynn, um, among others. And um, Lunch Encounter Monster was the squat purple monster, so named because he sits at a lunch encounter in the Nancy Walker episode, eats the dishes. And um, the blue frackle is in back, oh. a.k.a. Boppity, next to Marvin Sutton. The, the, the blue frackle was built for the Great Santa Claus Switch in 1970, frequently appeared in monster-themed number and crowd scenes on The Muppet Show and in later productions. And finally... Is- isn't it a weird coincidence that that Boppity was played by a guy named Tom Boppity? Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, what was the last one, Anthony? I didn't. And, and finally, finally, the only other one. I mean, again, I didn't include the Marvin Suggses. That you know the things that I think most people probably know, um, or have already noticed. The main action only, figure of them, people probably know them. Right. Right. The only other obscure one quote-unquote is there's the generic pig sitting next to piggy link piggy and then just some random pig everyone else is either a monster or a character we can name there's just some random pig at the muppet yeah i like that it's a very uh diverse selection of muppets i mean i'm sure somebody made the decision these are the characters that we're going to include in this scene well, one thing I appreciate uh, that I was thinking about this time around was, you know, Kermit gives his little speech and he thanks all the little people. And maybe these are all the people who worked on the production end of the, of the movie. Like, this is the crew who you don't see on screen as much, but they all had a, had a part to play. Oh, you mean some of the That's monsters might have been on the crew? I mean, all these people that, that Anthony just mentioned yeah. who don't actually make it into the, the Muppet movie within the Muppet movie. Right, yeah, maybe Lunch Encounter Monster was the key grip. Or... or Play, or did the uh, the catering? Because you know, lunch and actually, I think I like to think Gordon Heap did the catering. Oh yeah, <laughs> he does love to eat. He's a professional eater. He is. Uh, yeah, but speaking of uh, of Kermit's speech, um, so something else that I noticed this time around that again I never never noticed before. So Kermit is thanking everyone, and and Miss Piggy, you know, I know he's listening to him. Miss Piggy says, you know, speeches aren't necessary, dear. And Kermit says, well, I just want to thank everyone for their hard work. And patience, and the as he says the word patience, that's when animal flips out and starts saying, wolf, 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 which is that's a cute little. It has to be intentional. Yeah, that like yeah, oh yeah, saying for their patience, and they have none. They are beyond patience. Yeah, right. They just want to. They just want to watch the mother movie. Don't we all? Well, but the difference between us and them though is that we're already watching the mother. Whoa, and we're having a good time, whereas they're just ready for the movie to start. Yeah, there you and go. Um, says, I'm having a great time. There you go. Uh, I wanted to mention, so with the idea of uh, scrutinizing as many uh, elements of this film as possible, I did some <laughs> research into Miss Piggy's hat. Yes, uh, I because, was, want to know more about this turban. Yeah, well, I, I knew that that was kind of a thing in the 70s. So that's called a draped turban, and it was something that had kind of, come in and out of fashion since the 1920s and 30s. So at, 
around this time in the 70s, it happened to be in style at the time. Uh, Wikipedia says um, often turbans were created as part of evening wear. Uh, the American designer Halston featured the turban for, e sorry, for evening wear and dressed fashion icons such as Bianca Jagger. And it was also worn by Elizabeth Taylor, Joan Collins, and the Queen. And Miss Piggy. And Miss Piggy. So, and well, that's the Wikipedia article. Oh, I will. I do. Uh, I love. I love that Miss Piggy. Like speaking of Miss Piggy's turban, everyone else is just wearing whatever. Like Fozzie has his polka dot tie on. Bunsen's wearing his lab coat. Miss Piggy is dressed up like she's at a movie premiere. Although Link is also dressed up a little bit. It's like he look. He he's not wearing his pigs in space outfit or even like backstage robe. It seems like the yeah. pigs are the only ones that know that they are at a Hollywood premiere. Which is kind of funny. Right, but it's, just, it's counterintuitive. It's just such a, it's such a perfect piggy touch, I think. That she's Absolutely. dressed and, to the nine. She's not, though, also, she's doing this thing where, like, you know, that turban is, yeah, it's very fancy. But it's also, it feels very casual, almost. Like, something you would wear just to, like, hide your hair away because you don't want to do your hair today. Hmm. And... Uh, sure, yeah. She's kind of playing up like that balance between, like, yes, we're going to be in a room with the lights off, but I'm still going to be the best dressed person in this room. Yeah, that's exactly what it right. is, I think. And we should, um, as long as we're talking about the costuming and piggies uh, in particular, we should mention Kalinda, Calista Hendricks, who did many costumes for the Muppet Show and Muppet Movies, but especially Piggy, like, was Piggy's stylist and costume designer all through the Muppet Show era and Muppet Jim Henson era Muppet. Yeah. So you guys will end up talking about her a lot throughout this, uh, this podcast as well. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, when people, the reason people think of Miss Piggy as being glamorous, which is part of what makes her so funny is because of all those great costumes. Right. So moving on to after the actual projection starts up, the Muppet movie starts playing see the blue sky and we start getting the first few credits so before you get into the actual credits I, i'd love to point out the music that's playing which uh is not on the muppet movie soundtrack and it's just a great little uh like a, a like an overture before we get into rainbow connection which i think is, is a wonderful little thing yeah i really love it it, it just I'm sure it was really magnificent hearing or, or seeing the movie for the first time, but even having seen it a hundred times, it, it just really creates the sense of anticipation. Like, oh yeah, we're about to see something really great. Yeah, yeah. We are hovering through the the heavens, and something right. is about to happen. Yes, something is right, and we don't know what yet, but we are on the edge of our seats. True. Um. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. Well, what what do we see? I didn't write down any of the credits right. that we see in this. So set. the credits here's here's what we get. First credit is Lou Grade and Martin Starger present. Um, Lou Grade, people maybe know he's best known, of course, among Muppet fans for bringing the Muppet Show to TV. But by the time that happened in 1976, he'd been running ITC Entertainment for over 20 years. The hits he produced included the 1950s Robin Hood, The Saint. The Prisoner, and The Thunderbirds. Yes, Jerry Anderson's puppet space <laughs> oh, show, The Thunderbirds. I did not so know So The Muppet Show was, was not his first, first puppet hit, in fact. Um, 
He retired in the early 80s, and he died in 1998, just a few days shy of his 92nd birthday. Yeah. He was also an award-winning Charleston dancer. <laughs> that's not a joke. That's a real thing. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Wow. Yeah, I read his autobiography. Yeah. And he I, talked about Charleston a lot. <laughs> I'd like to read that one of these days. Uh, I'll lend it to you. I, I hope also that there's somewhere is footage out there of Lou Gray doing the Charleston. I've seen photos of him doing the Charleston. Mm. Maybe. But not film. But if you, you had enough, enough photos, photos of it, you could flip them together and make it look <laughs> That's like what I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, there we go. So that, that, I think that needs to be a project to find enough photos of Lou Gray doing the cha- doing the Charleston that we can make a flip. All right, yeah. I'm on the case. I'll I'll be back right. later, guys. Let me okay. go find some folks. Um, and of course, we I mean we'll talk about this later. But Lou Grade also is the inspiration for a character in this film. Ooh, that's on. a good tease. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. Um, and then Martin Starger is the other presenter. Um, Martin Starger has a somewhat less notable career than Lou Grade. Well, he has a few <laughs> really notable credits. Well, yeah, I was going to say, he, he produced a lot of other films in the 70s and 80s, um, including Nashville, Rob, Robert Altman's Nashville, uh, Sophie's Choice, and The Last Unicorn. So I, I assume those are the three really notable ones you're he talking about. He also worked on The All, Elephant Man. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so he had a few things. Um, he's still alive, hasn't worked much since the 1980s, as far as I can tell. So those are our two presenters, Lou Grade and Martin Starter. After that, the next credit is a Jim Henson production. Now, who's that guy? Who is that? I've heard of him. Presumably, we'll find out more about him because uh, he's going to get a couple more credits later on. Cool. You know, he, uh, but, he's, uh, got a, he's got a hand in this movie. <laughs> 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 yeah. Good night, everybody. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah. That was, that was a real dog of a joke. Whoa. Wait, what? That was a... Is Rolf because huh? one of his of a joke. What are you sure? Of, that was a that was a real Swedish chef. <laughs> and now I'm going to link from there into the outro because all right, all right. Posh, what are we even talking about? Any we have reached the end of these two minutes. So any well, final so, thoughts? Yeah. So we before we. Close here. So then we do see the title of the movie on the screen, which is The Muppet Movie. Oh, right. Yeah, um, and I, I just, it always strikes me this font that yes. they use for the credits just looks remarkably 1970s to me. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I wrote that down 1970s font. I love, I love this font. Yeah. It looks like it would be the sign outside a roller rink. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. See, I can't think of anything else specifically that that I could say. This looks like this other movie or this other, you know, it looks, logo it looks, or something. It looks, but it's it just very similar 70s. to the logo for. It's very similar to the logo for the electric company. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah cool. you're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the only other notes uh, I had on this uh, snippet was just to mention. So the actual Muppet movie. Uh, was released on May 31st, 1979 in the UK and June 22nd, 1979 in the United States. So UK got it before we did. So that's 22 uh, days apart, which means that the UK release must have been a Thursday or something. Oh, that's interesting. Or I also, I also want to point out the, uh, the, that you know we do see, and it's such a tiny thing, 
but like as the words of the Muppet movie appear on the screen, uh, the rainbow right screen, which you know we will be seeing a lot of rainbow motif throughout this entire film. Yeah, they actually. I'm gonna. You're you're gonna be amazed that they actually talk about rainbows pretty soon. Huh? Why are there so many talks about rainbows? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just. Uh, I'm just going back and forth on this clip, and they, you actually see the rainbow, like arc into the shot, and then across. I didn't the think they did that. I was just gonna say, how would they have done something like that in 1979? Because it looks like a real rainbow. I don't know. Well, they kind of do the same thing at the end of the film. Yeah, they do with a bigger rainbow. Yeah, Spoiler, so but, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, probably the same way they did that. They probably just waited until the movie was over, and then they looked to see how they did at the end of the movie, and they said, "Oh, we'll just do that at the beginning too." <laughs> yeah, that, that must have been it. Good call. That's probably what. That's probably what happened. Yeah. yeah. And then at the very, very end of this snippet, we have uh, some other credits coming up, but we will save those names for next episode. That's right. Wow. Well, thank you guys for having me. This, this was uh, super fun. I'm really glad I got to dive deep into these two yeah. minutes of the Muppet movie. Yeah, do you, did you have enough fun that you would like to come back next week? Uh, sure, if you'll have me. No, that, that could be cool. All right, let's do it. I think we can clear off space on the log for you next week, Joe. Oh, wonderful. You guys are too kind. I'm honored. I'm honored to be invited back. All right, well, and thank you for joining us, Joe, and thank you for joining us, listeners. We will see you right back here next week with another episode of Moving Right Along. And until then, you can find toughpig.com on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on the good old internet. Bye. 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 Bye.